Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 026. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever looked at a newspaper and wanted to ask God why? What are you doing in the world? People all throughout history have been praying that very prayer. Some of them are even captured in scripture. As we start this new worship series, Conversation with God, we open up with one of the prophets asking that very question. Only God gives a very creative answer. Let's find out more. Have you ever thought, when I get to heaven, God and I are going to have some words? Maybe we don't go quite that boldly. Maybe it's more along the lines of, I'm going to have a whole lot of questions for God. You ever think, God, why? What are you doing? Why don't you get down here and do something about what's going on in the world? You don't even have to be a Christian to experience that kind of frustration with the way life works out sometimes. Even the most hardcore atheist can look at some situations that hit the newspaper and just go, yeah, that ain't right. If you've ever experienced that, ever wanted to ask those kinds of questions, then these next four Sundays are for you. Because the answers, or at least hope for the answers, come in a simple conversation with God. Let's pray together. God, transform us through your word. Even those parts that we may not hit very often, they still contain your power. So grow us. Amen. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you do not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention rise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous therefore judgment becomes perverted. Look at the nations and see. Be astonished. Be astonished. For a work is being done in your days that you would not believe if you were told. For I am rousing, rousing the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. Dread and fearsome they are. Their justice and dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more menacing than wolves in dusk. Their horses charge. Their horsemen come from far away. They fly like an eagle, quick, swift to devour. They all come for violence. Faces pressed forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and of rulers they make sport. They laugh at every fortress and heap up earth to take it. Then they sweep like the wind. They transgress and become guilty. Their own might is their God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Kind of reads like a newspaper, doesn't it? You don't even have to turn the first, past the first page to think, God, what's going on? What are you doing? You know, when we were on our trip, uh, we had a couple hotel stays, and we were when we were up in Wisconsin, we stayed at a hotel, and they had we went for breakfast. They had the newspapers all across all the tables in the breakfast area, and everywhere I looked, 
I had to flip the paper over because I did not want to start the day with the stuff that had made the front page. You ever feel like you're just surrounded by bad news all around? Like I was just tr- sitting there trying to enjoy my waffle and all around me is stories. I'm just like flip, 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 flip. And it's bad enough if it's bad news that happens over there. But when it's in your own backyard or in your own living room, it's not the kind of stuff you would want to make your life interesting. That's the setting that Habakkuk is writing into. Judah, the south kingdom where Habakkuk is coming from, had experienced this this time of good news and of faithfulness to God under King Josiah. He was probably one of the best Old Testament kings that they had. And after Josiah had died, Egypt took hold of the opportunity, came in and put in their own king, going from one of the best kings to probably one of the worst kings. And from there, evil would start to multiply, corruption would abound, and the southern kingdom would just go down south. And that sets up the conversation that Habakkuk is having with God. Because Habakkuk is writing in this unique way where instead of speaking for God to the people, he's speaking for the people to God. And he asks the question that everybody in Judah and really everybody in the history of the world, most likely, has asked God at one point. Why? How long before you will act? It's the one word that ties every human being together since the days of the Garden of Eden. Why? What's going on? So the fact is, we don't always get how God is working, or even sometimes recognize that God is working. Because we all want to believe what the psalmist says in Psalm 121, that the Lord never slumbers or never sleeps, is always on guard, always watching out for us, always making sure that evil doesn't come across our paths. We want to believe that God is always working for good, always doing things for his purposes, for his good plan. But the fact is, sometimes we just don't get how the working God of the Bible and the situation of our lives come together. Sometimes we don't get it. But sometimes God works in strange ways. A case in point out of another section of the scripture. There's a story of a big family. And the focus tends to be the youngest of 11 brothers. One of the reasons I like it, because I'm the youngest, so the youngest have to stand for something. So here we go. And the youngest, Joe, was his dad's favorite boy. And the older 11, well, they didn't like that too much. They were jealous. And so what do they do? Like traditional older brothers tend to do, they work things out to sell their younger brother into slavery. Don't pay attention to that part. (laughs) So Joe is in slavery. Even the most hardcore atheist would say, Joe has a reason to say, God, why? What are you doing? And because Joe is a man of integrity, he does not sleep with a woman who is not his wife. That's how the story ends up playing out. Because he has integrity, he goes from, gets upgraded from slavery to prison. Again, Joe has every right to say, God, why? I'm faithful I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm here because I'm faithful, essentially. Why? 
Well, God's at work, and in a really unique way. Because God has given Joseph the ability, God working through Joseph, to interpret dreams. Which is an interesting gift to give Joseph, because I would think Joseph would be like, God, give me the strength of Samson to break these prison bars open. That gift I could use right now. What are you going to do with interpreting dreams? Well, God works through that. And as people in power start to find out about Joseph's unique gift, Joe interprets a dream for one of the top dogs in Egypt. Who has this dream that just keeps him awake. Nobody can answer it. None of, his, none of his wise men, none of his magicians, anything like that. And the dream ends up being that Egypt is going to have a period, seven years of good harvest, and then seven years of famine. He tells the leader, he says, save up, get ready, so that when the famine hits, you're able to, to sustain your people. Well, that dream and that interpretation, that gift of God working in some really bizarre way, gets Joseph basically to be second in command in Egypt. And as time goes on, the time of good comes, the time of harvest, of plenty, and the time of famine hits. And Egypt is hit with the famine, and Joe's family is hit with the famine. Joe's family realizes, or hears word probably somehow, Egypt's got food, they stored it away, so Joe's family comes into Egypt. And the story goes that Joseph recognizes his family And now, the ones who sold him into slavery are basically bowing before him, saying, give us some food so we can feed ourselves and our dad, who's very, very sick. And why do I bring this story up from a a whole different section of Scripture? For two reasons. First off, all these parts of the narrative that I gave you are one chain. One thing leads to another, it leads to another, it leads to another. So go back to where the chain started, okay? Okay? Way back at the beginning, how does God work this chain out? Puts Joseph in slavery. God starts working a miracle by putting Joseph in a why situation. What are you doing, God? And from there, the chain goes to where Joseph saves his whole family. Here's the real kicker reason that I brought this story up. Does this whole narrative unfold over minutes and hours? No. How about days and weeks? No. From slavery to the whole family united in Egypt is probably about 15 years. 15 years that Joseph had to sit with a why before he finally saw how God was going to work it out. Maybe you've got a why. Maybe you look at 15 years and and the story of Joseph and his family and go, (laughs) I could run circles around you, Joe. I've had this why, I've had this question, this itch that I can't scratch for 50 years, 60 years. I had one that probably lasted, depending on how you want to mark it, 15 or 20 years. I went, God, why? Now, fortunately, God knows me a little bit better than I know myself, so he gave me a few more breadcrumbs along the way than he probably gave Joe, than he probably gives Habakkuk. But the end of that chain, as far as I know it now, is that I'm standing in front of you right now, sharing this message. Maybe you look at your 
why and you think about it and you, and you wrestle with it and you wish you could get an answer to it, but you think, I can't ask God about that because if I ask God why, that's like a lack of faith. Maybe you think God's not going to answer it or maybe, maybe you even think there isn't a God that will answer this. Or you think if God answers it, it's going to be, sit down, shut up, let me be God for a little while. Okay? Well, I'm telling you, I could use examples from all throughout Scripture. God already knows what the why is that is on your heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to broad stroke that we've all probably had something like that. God knows what's on our hearts. God knows we're asking the question. We might as well ask it out loud. It takes faith to do that, no doubt. It takes faith to know that God will answer, that God is there, that God will work. But here's the thing, that the ever-present why is answered in the everlasting who. The ever-present why is answered in the everlasting who. It takes faith to ask that. And we think maybe, okay, we work out all those faith ideas, God will work. All right, but we expect that there's going to be some kind of expectation of how God is going to work, how God is going to answer our why. At least there's some parameters that we can imagine, some kind of box we can put God in about how he's going to work. So to see where that idea is going. What if that wasn't the case? And let's just think way outside that nice little box. What if God had everything in the universe at his disposal to answer your why? God used chains and famine to answer Joseph's why. God used bullies and injuries to answer my why. And in the letter that Habakkuk is writing having a conversation with God, God is going to use the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, God's worst enemy, to answer Judah's why. Why am I seeing this? What's going on? Why does the front page look like this? His worst enemy. That's like God using a drugged up, hardcore atheist on trial for murder to answer your why. Would anybody see that one coming? Well, they won't give away the farm. But as this conversation goes on, and really over the, next, the rest of chapter 1, Habakkuk is going to have this rant with God. At, like, you're going to do what? And you're going to do it with who? With your worst enemy, you're going you're gonna to work? Like I said, I won't give away the farm, but God basically answers, yep. I know that's a... This can be a hard concept to wrap your head around. That God could use the most bizarro things to work out an answer, to work out his plan, to answer our whys. So that's what I'm going to challenge you with this week. I'm going to give you this kind of in, in three parts, so it sort of breaks down nicely that way. First off, if you've got a why, if you've got that question that kind of just nags you or keeps you up at night, that you worry about, Ask it. Okay. Like I uh, said, and hopefully I've 
demonstrate at least some case for. God wants us to ask you. God wants us to come before him and say, God, give me a clue. Give me some kind of insight. I'll take whatever I can get. It takes faith to do that. Again, faith that there's a God there who's hearing. Faith that there's a God who's listening. And that there's a God who will answer. Second, don't be afraid to merge that kind of, with some of the stuff we've said in the past. We've talked about, God, why me? We take that a step further and say, instead of God, why me? Ask God, help me see. We covered that a few weeks ago, and if you want to review that idea, that message is online under, uh, it's in the Dear Church series that we just finished. The message is called Faith Over Fear. Don't be afraid to, to kind of merge those ideas together. And third, don't be afraid to stop and listen. I say that in the sense of don't try to figure out or anticipate how God is going to respond, how God is going to answer. Because, sure, sometimes it's a fun exercise to just come up with the craziest things God can use to answer your why, to answer your, why, to answer your prayer. But if you need the reminder, remember, the answer is in the everlasting who, not the everlasting how. So next week, as, again, as this conversation unfolds that we'll look at over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see how a very creative God can answer Habakkuk's why. And hopefully over this week, you'll get to see at least a little bit of a glimpse, a little bit of a breadcrumb of how a very creative God can answer your why. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, have you ever been frustrated because you knew people were getting away with bad things? Large or small, it can be a thought that gets under our skin very quickly. Is there any justice in the world? Maybe you've even prayed for God to rain down some of that wrath everyone talks about on somebody who hurt you. Well, God's justice can work in different ways. And while we may desire for the fireballs to come down on our enemies, it helps to watch our own steps as well. Find out more next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.